episode 142 of tactical crouch yiska volamel kick tripod here that's not why you're here though you're here for the one the only the man with the plan awesome dude i love your beanie by the way uh it's <laughs> sick i'm all about it uh eu contenders caster all around good dude it's trid welcome to the show trid and hi Hi, thanks for the intro. I, I'm not really a guy who usually has a plan, so you've already led to your audience, but thank you for the introduction nonetheless. <laughs> you plan to be dressed in front of a camera in time for the show to start recording, so there's something there, right? All right, yeah, a little bit of preparation. Okay, I can't deny that, so yeah. I mean, if you have to plan that hard to be dressed, though, I feel like there's something slightly wrong with yourself anyway. Yiska's right here, dude. <laughs> you don't have to like talk about him like that. Yeah, he's literally he's I, on time. He's on. He's dressed. He looks presentable. Clearly, not a man with a plan. Fifty-fifty yeah, undressed. Mm. He's not wearing pants. Let's face it, chat. Come on. Neither am I. Who's, well, who's complaining? Who's counting? Huh? I mean, to be fair, like, are you guys all doing like the the COVID tuxedo where you have like a decent shirt on top and then oh, it's I just like on. Gym shorts underneath, or like I've got these American giant sweatpants on just, that are I got just... some under armors. I think the main, the crowning jewel is the slippers, though. These are quite oh wow, how bougie, quite comfy, Whoa. really, really soft sole, quite thick. They're keeping my feet warm and in comfort all day. So, you know, that's really the crowning jewel of the lower half of this tuxedo. Those. That's not what I've heard. Uh, those are the <laughs> Yeezys of slippers. I love them. So the Yeezys of slippers. I think some people no, no, surely, that surely there are Yeezys, right? Surely there are Yeezys that are slipper like, right? Yeezys are basically slippers. Gotta at this be. Point. Right? Yes, Yeezys are fifty percent slippers and fifty percent Crocs, depending on if you're getting the boost or not. Hundred percent overpriced. Well, see, we were having a conversation well. about this literally the other day about how you would be a good like shoe head. Like you'd enjoy shoe culture because there is resale value. Yiska, Yiska, you're right. You're right. That actually is Yiska. Yes. He only judges it because that's not a part of it's value. where he is right now. Hey, I've profited off a of sneaker game this year. Not a lot. When I've dabbled, I've I've got some money. Hey, out we're of in it, the green, so boys. I'm not complain. Katie and I, so I, I've, I think I've said this in the show before, but Katie works for a company that um, is very into, as you kind of climb up a little bit, is very like sneaker game is kind of like status in there. And so, I mean, in esports is kind of the same, right? Like esports mm -hmm. and gaming, like there's definitely that too. So like I have a pair, I have two pairs of shoes that I probably wouldn't buy if I wasn't in esports and gaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, we'll write that one off. And These are my fancy um, shoes. yeah, exactly. They're my con, my con, my conversations, my conversations. Um, yeah, conventioners. Yeah, we don't, we'll figure yes, it out. Yes, proud of you. Uh, uh, but yeah, so all about the shoe game. Uh, chat, thanks for being here. Sorry, we're a little slow to get started. Uh, if you're new here, welcome to the show. If you like the show, go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. We record twice 
every week bringing you free content. We love bringing you that. But if you're like, hey, you know what? I want to support. I'm throw a dollar your way, five dollars your way, whatever. Go to patreoncom crouch. Otherwise, you can also uh, leave a sub right here at twitchtv tripod. You get a free sub if you are an Amazon Prime member. Just link your Amazon account to your Twitch account. Boom, dan, boom, ding, done. That's it. Uh, big thanks to our patron producers, Refine Bean, Ferdino, Pin, Battle Crab, Coochie Copy, Lotion, Rex Zane, Audio Compass, Kasha67, Shara Picasso, Nathan Your Misery, Hunter Tain, Fabled Steven, Roger B, Owen, Chris R34444, Horbjorn, I listen to this podcast whilst on the toilet and in the shower thinking of Yiska and Peace Camper. Woo. Thanks again. What a again. name to finish that off. What, a, you know, uh, <laughs> it's... They're a wild bunch, those patrons. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to actually just kind of dive right into the show. Um, and we're going to do that by talking about some of the free agency things. And what we're actually going to do is talk about uh, the roster change that happened just minutes, it felt like, before we started recording the show. And that was uh, the Houston Outlaws have a brand new GM. It is none other than Cool Matt 69 coming in here. Uh started at Zarya Specialist. Now he's here. Uh what a what a turnaround. Talk about uh climbing the ladder. Uh you avoid hero pools completely. And now you uh sign the checks. Not bad. You sign the checks of someone else's money. That's the most important part. You get Not to yours. be the account keeper of some venture capitalists' money. It's absolutely amazing. And there's so much potential. There's so much cool Matt can do with this team. Um, mainly because I think you should just gut the current one with a machete and start from scratch. So there's a lot to be done here. I wonder if cool Matt is the person to do it, though. That's the I, thing I'm There would worried be nothing... About. That would tickle me more than to know that Cool Matt has just played the long con. You know, he was red. That was Sussin, you know, reactor that didn't show up. And he's just got his team from the inside out after playing with them for, you know, X number of years individually and, and outside of that. Like, it, it's kind of funny to think about because they have already kind of like done this massive upheaval. There's some still there's some question marks still around certain pieces, but. This this off season has been ruthless, and mm -hmm. Houston is going to look different for it. Hearing good they things about to. Cool Matt, yeah, one hundred percent. They have to like two years of this is uh, not good, not good. And then adding a third, uh, what are you going to do? Something has to change, and they're changing it, which is good. You know, I'm putting Junk Book in the front office. You know, with with Harsha as co head coach, that's you know good. And then Cool Matt hearing good things from you know. Uh, other experts, so willing but, to give them a shot. Interested to hear, uh, you know, and see what 2021 looks like for, for the Outlaws. And he comes from, um, he, he came from a, being a logistics manager for this past season. Started in January, went from player to logistics manager. I honestly didn't hear a whole lot about that, um, but I've chatted with some Houston Outlaws peeps over the past season, and as far as any issues were concerned, logistics, as far as I could tell, were not one of them. So, well, for, well first of all, you got to think about this: is like that role was going to be a lot more intensive at the start of the year because you were yeah. having to transport a lot of players potentially equipment, potentially all this stuff to multiple locations throughout the year. Mm. I feel as though he 
was one of the only people this year who won big. His job just suddenly got a hell of a lot easier as a logistics manager because what is he moving? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. what is he moving yeah. about this year? Yeah. I don't like, I don't, I mean, so, so there is part of it, right? You do have like player housing, which does get a little bit more complex. You do have signings get a little bit more complex if you are doing that. I don't think they did a whole lot. Like, I definitely don't want to diminish what uh, Cool Matt may or may not have done because a lot of it would be definitely behind the scenes, but clearly it was enough for him to get a look at the GM spot, right? Mm. And that's, you know, impressive in itself. I definitely have some questions. I definitely, I don't see it really from the outside, but um, that is not also to say that he hasn't earned it, doesn't deserve it. It's just that, uh, where's the content? Outlaws, <laughs> give me the content. I want to know why. I want to know how Cool Matt went from this guy on the team playing very specialized roles to a logistics right. manager. What felt like a glorified, like, yeah, they're a, a tank coach, player manager. You know, like one of those <laughs> things where it's just like, here's 50K, sit down and shut up. And then now they're here at the GM spot. Like, I, I want to know it's what that process was. The process was probably was on, on a two plus one, and they had to do something with this contract to not take up a player slot. Shut I would up! Think, right? Th I mean, no, they're that <sighs> G the GM slot is not that slot. No, 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 not for the logistics manager. Oh, for logistics manager. Okay, okay, okay. Not for logistics manager. He's not even talking about that. He's saying basically, we signed him in 2018 on two plus one. You've got to pay those two years, so you mm. move him into a back end role, so you're not wasting right. the funds. Cool yep. Matt proves he's capable. He has a history right. in traditional employment, so it's all good. You then don't option the plus one. Resign him officially as a general manager for 2020. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's the reasoning behind keeping him around. And also then, of course, like showing that like a lot of stuff behind the scenes was managed by uh, Komat. Like, for instance, I talked to him about like con having like an interview scheduled with someone. Right. Mm. So um, I also think and this is not to be underestimated. Yes, we have former pro players as general managers in, in the scene. We do not have former Overwatch League players as uh, GMs in this scene. And this is sort of like an in interesting experiment. And also it makes a ton of sense that it would be Kulmad, because Kulmad being the oldest player ever in the league, um, it kind of makes sense, honestly. And also... Just based on age? I mean, age, uh, drive, seniority, like, having played this this esports game for a while because beforehand they they were part of the dead game gods you know like squad still one that of my just favorite like, articles like yeah was a great out forsaken game go look at right. it up. actually chat yeah i'll find it right now actually <laughs> um and like the the idea there being like they that this person has like solid work um experience uh, in different environments from different roles also like has a solid shed on, uh, head on the shoulder so i kind of like this and i also kind of like seeing this sort of as a field test because down the line there are other players that need to find jobs somewhere and if if there's like a precedent set that you know like all the people can or players can transition to these roles. Like I would say, like to see someone like, like a Jay Hong, uh, 
get into these management positions down the line. Of course, like not summoning a retirement here, but uh, he just, just came back. Come on, let me write my article and then he can retire again. <laughs> no, I can't. need him for content, Yisko. I can't let him go Come just on. yet. <laughs> think, think of the content. Right. But yeah, uh, I think that's a quite an interesting um, set of circumstances there. Uh, and it can also open the door for uh, more qualification. I'll also say the qualifications, a lot of uh, people have gotten the general management position before, have been very iffy in the first place. So sure. I feel like the qualifications that Kumat has stand, like definitely stand out as more qualified than uh, oh, certainly. other people, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah. I love the precedent of players moving to the front office. I love it. I think it's worked well in traditional sports. Um, I think it creates a, like a camaraderie and, and a solid link between the front office and the actual players and coaches there. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's just, uh, it's, and, and to be fair, we're on season four now, right? We're only three yeah. seasons in. That feels relatively quick. And this is somebody who, you know, it, it went through it pretty quick. But we've also seen people who, you know, um, uh, Anna Lynn, I think, is a great example of somebody who started as a social media specialist uh, for <laughs> Gladiators moving into um, uh, the actual uh, GM role. Uh, for justice. And we've seen uh, people, uh, you know, she kind of took over uh, as community ended up really running uh, team USA for overwatch world cup. Was that 2019, 2018? I don't know. The, the 2019. Definitely, definitely yeah. 2019. I can't remember who had 2018, uh, but it was definitely 2019. Yeah. It was uh Berlin. So, you mm -hmm. know, like there's, there is this, and I think it's one of the beautiful things about esports. a little bit is a lot of it is just like, Make your title like there's no like you have to wait three years, do this one year, do this, yeah, four mm -hmm. years, do this, shake hands with so and so. Yeah, there's a blessing and a curse. As someone right. who's had sure. to look at recruitment within esports in like my full time job to try and get staff over at uh, Hot Drop, which is the agency I work at, um. It is great, like you said, that people can pick their titles, but what happens is, is like you can put out a job advert for like, oh, we need someone who's been like plus three years in a marketing or social media role. And then you get people who apply who have done like three plus years, but they handle a team social media once a week for three years. It's very totally. different, very different from being in a full-time social media manager role for three years. So it's right. great that there's such a ceiling for progression and, while it is frustrating to be on the other side of it, I advocate for people to like say you can do something and then quickly learn how to do it yeah. and try and keep up. Totally understand that and advocate for anyone to do that. But like, if you don't meet that standard, you are out and you've wasted a lot of people's time. It and definitely, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, those people rise to the occasion. I want nothing more than for people to be able to progress quickly. Yeah. Um, and I don't want people who are uh, what's the best way i'm gonna say people who waste the opportunity to still be like circled around to different jobs just because they are better at selling themselves than they are at doing the right. job they're trying to right. say they can do right. um, totally. i i don't i can't 
think or I won't I can't think of plus I also wouldn't name in this instance people I think who are doing that but I genuinely yeah. can't think of people off the top of my head currently that immediately come to mind with that position but like that's just the caveat of like this whole like fast yeah. acceleration you can get in this industry is that like sometimes it can be frustrating I mean it just puts more emphasis on also having solid HR that just understands like how to vet people for abilities they claim to have and just like actually take the time or also be proactive and maybe do your own research and uh, specifically uh, go towards people that you think can do the job rather than putting out an advert and casting the net wide right like that's mm. definitely a problem in in uh, but yeah it's a it's a plus and minus i will also say that like a degree and or three years even working professionally in a specific position does not necessarily help you in esports like yes. yeah like the the transitional properties between industries like for instance i would i would think like i don't know what's a like doing marketing for for a even like a bigger brand and for an esports team is wildly different in, in the ways you need to approach it, right? Like, you, because you ran the Coca Cola account doesn't mean you can run the G2 esports account necessarily, right? That's completely different. Not gonna stop approaches. them from trying. No, they are, <laughs> they are gonna keep trying. Everyone will try. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. The back end stuff they'd be absolutely great at, like the data and sure. the, how right. to present it and like change and know where to pivot. They'd be great at the actual stuff you're putting to engage with the audience. That's where you're you struggle. The actual right. connecting is where you'd struggle. It's a language, right. like esports yes. gaming is a language, and you know, like sugary soda drinks is not. You know, you can go from sugary soda drinks to bread for all I care or fast food. Like right. you can do that. It's even harder. I almost wanted to say, like, you go to technology and do it, but there's definitely some aspects of it where it's harder to do that, too. But gaming in itself is just like, you know, like, I can guarantee you, I would Google right now is like top 10 gaming terms, and you see, like, noob. <laughs> uh, like, what else, you know, like, what else do you see that you just don't, like, really use anymore? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it'd take, it would take at least three months of watching XQC stream to even get a bearing. <laughs> on uh yeah. but even that's just a micro that even that's like a niche at this point because not everyone talks like xqc or mm, his yeah. community so yeah, i mean Trin, you kind of talked about this Thank like God. before the show where it's just like you know oh i see like the trid wide so i know it's a vast chat that's always yeah. been something that's kind of like really fascinating me about twitch where it's just like you can identify people because of their like separate like little almost like uh accents based on like yeah, the yeah. Culture it, it, it is it's, it's it is really like a dialect the way people yeah. talk it's like you there's little like i mean it's not even like a subtle cue it's just straight mm. up an emote in their channel mm -hmm. i know the emote code i can see it oh. i know why they're trying to trigger it i know where it comes from like mm -hmm. you can there's yeah like i said it's like a tracer you just know yeah. like not the not the hero but like you just know where it's coming <laughs> from right yeah right i'm sorry i'm trying to keep it back on overwatch like some people's <laughs> tracer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I think we've like I, I, fight, circling all the way back to the point. Kuma uh, is one of these people that I think is gonna do like a really good job with the roster, provided he's willing to actually just rebuild and then not try and make 
don't know why he tried to just not try and make Outlaws 2.0. Because like the Outlaws as a as a as a team, even for the past two years, in my opinion, has one of those teams I look at in the league and go, this team wasn't about competitive results. It was about selling jerseys. That's how mm-hmm. I just viewed the Outlaws because of well, their performance, but also the the large personalities and following that they managed to pick up with the roster itself. I think if Cormac wants to make a competitive team and they've got the checkbook and the will to do it, they can definitely fix it in this offseason. I think the checkbook's a big one. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it uh, quite a bit offline and in different circumstances, but, you know, there's some point where there's only so many packings in the entire world, right, who can build phenomenal rosters where it doesn't feel like phenomenal rosters can be built unless you're willing to time, you know, sign out. So I don't know right. what um, the Houston outlaws are willing to put into this following season. I hope it's a lot because I want them to be as competitive as possible. But uh, I think a really interesting question is how good of a GM does cool Matt and junk buck below him become when it comes down to finding talent that maybe uh, is affordable. I, I don't think it's ju- I don't think it's Cool Matt's like pr- primary job though. Please correct me if you're wrong with this one. But the way I always envisioned roster acquisitions is there's two competing sides of it, right? The coaches go, I want the best possible roster. Give me these players. And it's Cool Mad's job to effectively balance the books and say, no, that's too expensive. No, we can't do yeah. this. No, because of that. So I think like the actual scouting and roster creation is really more on this new unified coaching staff, right? I would imagine so. Obviously, GM in esports is like this nebulous. Do they, don't they? What exactly are you doing? Like there are, there are some like very obvious through lines that like gms tend to do but i wouldn't be surprised if there were certain gms in the league that like very particularly build a build a coaching staff that either will pick what they want or picks what the roster is and then builds the coaches after like i i wish it was the other way like you're saying where it's like the coaches are fighting for all the players that they want and they come first and then you know the gm and the you know i don't know the the treasurer you know balances it that way i wish you could it was just like say that. huck by the way that example about gms with sure. control you can just say huck like we don't have to he's not a boogeyman we don't have to skirt around the name like i think you've got I huck mean, for sure you've small, got right you've got deep yeah, i think there's uh, yeah. another one you've got um i would well put, that's different though because he's head coach and gm so like that's sure, slightly different i would yeah. put albert packing. in there packing mm-hmm. um yeah. you know like i think that there are a few and i think it's a legitimate you know like GM in role in title in other sports is kind of different where, you know, like uh, esports or at least specifically Overwatch League has kind of found this Mm -hmm. like amalgamation of like, how do we, how do we work together? What What does that do that? Um, How does that work from time to time when you're working on, you know, certain budgets and roster constraints? Like, I think that there is probably a little bit more of a marriage between a GM and a, coaching staff than maybe there is another esports. Just depends on what potential Houston sports. wants to do with it. Pretty much. Hopefully it's good. So far so good with them. I don't know. I'll also say it's kind of interesting. Like if, if you guys read like the little comments that the Outlaws always pick, put on their yeah. rollouts and like his one sentence is it seems like the perfect moment to take our Western franchise to the next level and solidify yeah. its legacy as a team destined to win very right? calculated right so 
Like if you be. read it literally, it, it means that hey, we might have one or two Koreans or Korean right. players on this roster, but we're going primarily Western. Mm-hmm. And I would say based off of the Outlaws fan base so far and what people know of the Outlaws from like a fan reception point of view, I think taking a team like the Outlaws and making them more Korean centric is a mistake. I think they have to stay Western focused anyway. Mm. Yeah, I think the, the really like the. I don't think like fans really care like where someone is from as long as they can interact with them, right? Like mm. I feel nobody would have a problem with OG probably uh like these players might as well be american right like mm-hmm. where, where you can just like uh it, it's about the connection and it's also about establishing these connections like I, I always thought that teams can definitely do a better job to in connecting uh teams to their fan base and for instance like i would i would point out florida mayhem here as a positive example I feel like I get who these players are and these individuals just by swing chip chips tweets mm-hmm. and like translations in the um uh in the videos, right? So I think there's like a spectrum to it though, right? Because like the I think the worst possible way you can handle a completely Korean roster and try and put them to like a Western audience is like all the way down here, you've got Vancouver Titans who severely screwed the pooch on that one. Like they mm-hmm. had, like the they had one of the most beloved Overwatch teams, and they somehow were not able to leverage that, and they treated yeah. the players reportedly terribly, and it caused a roster implosion. You lost one of the potentially strongest rosters you could have got. Then slightly over the spectrum, you got the London Spitfire who haven't really mistreated their roster as far as I can tell, but. As someone who's supposed to be from their home market, have I really connected with this roster? Have I really, like, no, not really. Um, you know, there were some great efforts from, like, you end up getting Stylosa involved to, you know, it's peak British when it comes to this. And he did great when he was out there in LA making contact with the teams and and whatnot. But, like, like you said, the the I think one of the best examples or two best examples of this right now is, like you said, Swing Chip on Florida Mayhem's done a fantastic job. But then, also, I think Shock does it quite well because they almost like use their Western players yeah. to spearhead that conversation and then right. almost use them as an entry point to the Korean players mm-hmm. who are less connected at present. But I think there should be great investment in, in translators um, and great investment in content obligations as well for players, which I know they probably right. don't. They'd rather spend their time practicing and competing. Yeah. You've got to get the content out there. 100%. I'll also say maybe a little bit in defense of uh, of Spitfire. I feel like they made an effort, def- or it's definitely a difference in effort they made in season one with like gesture, like oh for sure. Everyone remembers "Get Out of My Pub," right? Like those <laughs> yeah. those those moments, right? I I feel like that was a genuine connection built. They won the season. Them then going in a different way with the roster building. Gives up like there's there's something to go off where you could think okay may like for all we know like they win stage run they win the season they mm-hmm. kind of got these players connected to the audience trying like to find that connection there and also do, did so with significant resource investment for buying out the KDP roster and the GC Busan roster mm-hmm. and they kind of felt like they didn't want to do that in season two and the question is why. 
And maybe we are overvaluing how important it is to uh, build that. Maybe it's just true for their specific market. Like I've long felt that maybe it's more of a U or maybe the UK market finds it more important to have players that they can like th that's like from that's around right. there yeah. for reasons that I'm mm, we're not going to talk about okay. it but like right like it, it, it's very hypocritical of the UK though and this is an argument that was used in defense of uh, international players representing a UK team is that like mm. the the obviously the the most widely watched sport in the UK is is football or, or, or soccer for the Americans right. um, and what's the percentage of native-born yeah. UK players that are superstars right. on these teams? It's not the majority. The majority are imported players and still there's right. a huge connection to them. So I, I'm, you know, I totally with you that you do not have to have that you, that strong UK focus on like mm. a roster to have that connection. And these Premier League teams, it's not as if they're doing like content and shoulder content and getting their players out there and doing stuff like that, but mm. they don't need to because you have the generation of viewers are are people who are like so ingrained into watching and right, supporting right. that team yep. through almost inheritance from their upper generation. Yep. Yep. They don't need to get invested into the players because they're invested in the team. Now it's right. a different story. These are new franchises. These are mm -hmm. completely new brands and teams that you need to invest in. And the best way to get people invested in that is through your greatest asset, which is your players. So it's... You, I, I, most senses I agree with you that like UK people don't necessarily need the team to latch onto but I think if you're building the franchise to have that legacy and start getting the people just invested in the organization you do it through the players and I think a lot of teams haven't done that yet and I think what probably stymied that big changeover looking at season two in particular is that season one victory I don't know that like if season one doesn't go as it does and in history that season two doesn't already start to look like, well, maybe we were thinking this. Maybe we maybe we splashed out a little too hard going into the inaugural season with buying the two arguably best South Korean teams throwing together and, you know, trying our best, our, our damnedest to win 2018. Um, I think to that point, success can be that translation of the players and, and it doesn't necessarily translate the same things because it's not necessarily personality but it's a, it's a, almost like a trust where it's like i know you're a good player because you've brought us fantastic results and i think that was kind of built and now they're restructuring resurfacing you know doing their uh their eu rebuild which we will undoubtedly get to. i hope they find economic success with that yeah approach because mm -hmm. uh i think it's it's also a little bit harder to uh, monetize these European organizations than uh, the NA ones. Sure. Just like by the focus of the league, by the uh, viewer base that logically will be attracted to uh, specific um, times, like how the time zones are yeah. set up, right? Like the, all of this kind of works a little bit against European orcs. And I think that therefore it's, it is an uphill battle, but it's also an opportunity because you therefore can feed off like the entire continent in terms of yeah, like what you want to do for market. the cheers so and i also say if i think about a region that has been like kind of undervalued and where, where it's most likely that unknown talent 
that you can get for like less Cheap. resources, mm-hmm. um, that would be Europe. Yeah. Okay, right? KSP. Samsung Morningstar is just jumping over. Well, I mean historically, but you, you get the gist. The the yeah. So EU is like a is a an untapped gold mine with this one, and I think you can when you make the. So here's the thing, right? When Eternal got announced and we saw that roster, the first iteration of Eternal be announced, what did everyone say? Finally, a European team. Yeah, right. They the the sentiment online wasn't that Spitfire was a true European team. So when Eternal comes out and goes, we're going full EU, right? They get held as the first European team. That was just because I feel like, especially in season one, with the time zones, with the way things work mm-hmm. out. Like EU was being starved from Overwatch League stuff, and they have got better over time of it. This season has been absolutely great for an EU fan. Like we got peak grand finals time. Mm-hmm. Like you got you guys yeah, over in America, you, guys, you got screwed yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like the, the, the I, I agree there's there's a lot of untapped potential in EU, but I do think it it comes down to like um where the focus of the league is uh, primarily with the franchises and how you monetize that is a bit of a deciding factor. Um, but in terms of like players, I actually got the, I got this confirmed. You can, it's not a hard thing to get confirmed, but like uh, path to pro and contenders tracks where players go and the import rates to overwatch league. And without a doubt, the second most imported region only just behind Korea is Europe. Like mm-hmm. the Europe absolutely dominates in terms of the player base within the Overwatch League in comparison to Korea because they're the ones that are getting promoted up to Overwatch League or to academy teams, which they also track as like a, a resource over to America. So, like EU pl- talent is flowing through the system. It's just about how do we support that system and make sure that keeps going, yeah. and then eventually they get to the end of that path to pro. Yeah, and it's. It's the the development as I hope I re- I'm reading and you can definitely comment on this as well, Trade. I I feel like we're finally getting to that point, mostly for bad reasons because of the attrition of NA. But uh. it feels like we usually like the way for a European sub talent was play well in Europe, get on uh. an American academy team, then I'll. Amen. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. The way so now the Lord intended feel, it. it uh, <laughs> Yeah. K-Kona, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they play. They can play two weeks on an American North American contenders team. They are then uh, NA like talent, and boosters. then you guys get to claim them. Yeah, yep, we're boosters. Yep. What can we say? Some, we get a lot of results quickly. You're welcome. World. Yeah, some never come back though. Like some some players never come yep. back. They, even if they change organizations with NA, they don't move over there. They play on ping. They still stay in North America right. because there is still this perception, or at least my understanding from both players and community and whoever, that there is still that kind of like, well, Europe is tier two point five, NA is tier yeah. two, then tier one is Overwatch League. Right, and uh, that that was just um, cemented by the resource difference in the previous right. years of contenders where all the academy teams were in North America, all the money was in it. And academy teams effectively became uh, pseudo benches for the owl teams because it became waiting rooms for players like Alarm, who they just like Fusion were like, no, we are not letting go of you. You are going to play on our academy team, even if it kills you. Mm-hmm. And, right. and that kind of made North American contenders become associated with success, both financially and performance wise. So, 
it did create almost this like sub level in between owl and contenders where people have to go there first and there's still a little bit of that but i agree it's got so much better now at being a much clearer path of progression because we are seeing players go directly from europe to owl organizations owls getting getting wise to the eu main support you know league of legends Mm -hmm. we had the eu mid we have the eu main support in overwatch you know welcome you know the the narratives just shift a little bit but they (laughs) Tend to stay the same. I do feel like uh, this feels like a cheap shot, but I do need to say people did celebrate the first year Paris Eternal for tying uh, signing a mostly EU team, but I feel like they didn't hit critical mass until they signed Mm -hmm. five Korean players. (laughs) You know, like they they did it. Like I mean, and part of it is because you do have Soon and Nico and FD God still, who are not only obviously European players. Uh, but phenomenal good. at what they do or have huge followings. And so like right. that, I think that definitely really helps them in that. But it also is like, it is this weird thing, right? Where it's, it's such an odd balance and almost unintuitive at points between uh, is it the best to field a, a winning roster and build a fan base that way? A la NYXL, or is it best to build uh, a town <laughs> that can really make the local fan base happy a la, you know, early Houston Outlaws, early Dallas Fuel, early um, uh, Paris Eternal, um, or do both like the Paris Eternal did and just like, let's get them, let's get them early and then switch them over to Korean. <laughs> uh, What's like, what depends who, who wins, who wins from either of those selections? Because if you, I'm going to make it very simplistic and I understand it's more complex than this because I don't think anyone has the true answer. Mm-hmm. But like, if you That's have it. a, if you have a performance heavy team, monetarily, it is the players who benefit directly because those, I, 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 I don't know the specifics of contracts. My assumption would be like most other yeah. esports organizations don't take a cut of the prize pool prize pool goes 100% to the players. Okay. So if you're winning and you're performing, yeah, you're going to generate more fans because people obviously want to support a team that wins. But the most of the direct benefit is going to go to the players. If you have a fan base orientated team, well, in a in a very simplistic view, more fans, more merch sales, I would assume that your merch sales directly correlate in some way to the the payout you would get from the league mm-hmm. um, or your rev share. There's just an assumption when it comes to homestands, your homestands are more likely to sell out because yeah. people don't have to travel as far or if they do, they're going to go anyway because they're just wealthy and they've got money to spend. So very simplistically, very reductionist, it would make more sense for the organization to build a marketable team than a competitive team. That being said, no one wants to sit there and fucking lose. Sorry, first right. one, right? Um, <laughs> Drink, <laughs> like, ding. Uh, covering the brand as well. Mm. I don't know how you monetize this show, so I don't want to flash, flash filters. Our patrons, um, they do not have allegiances patrons, there we to go. alcohol. Yeah, shout so out to patrons. We're good. Um, no it's one better wants not be Patron. To, yeah, Patron. <laughs> But like, here's the problem, right? If you don't have a competitive team, your brand and your sentiment in the community doesn't become one of success. It becomes one of a meme, a la Boston Uprising. No one right. takes Boston seriously because they don't perform. So right. therefore, like, you'll get the Bostonians who will stand them, but who else will? You know, yeah. they're, they're, not, they're not endearing enough to be season one Shanghai Dragons. Um, they're not um, competitive enough to kind of like give you false hope. They are the punching bag. And I feel for the players because they are now mm-hmm. largely tainted. Someone, please, for the love of God, while we're on this, cut 
Myeongbong a check. Please. Get his buy out. Save Myeongbong. Move him to something. Put him on another roster. Save this man because he is losing his goddamn mind on this roster. <laughs> I, I'm... Do you think that he is? uh, I mean, we're making changes, right? We've got Punk, we've got Jerry Myungbong Fusion, and Color Hacks left, right? Uh, We've let go quite a few of people uh, there. We brought in um, Lori as the head coach. You're still Mm -hmm. not confident that Lori, a South Korean head coach, keeping Myungbong and Jerry, and I think you probably, I don't know, um, Color Hacks and Fusions, I don't. No, I think fusions yes because brand ties. I think color like, hex is fusions really is the strong. franchise player for me for Boston. Yeah, I agree, but I, I don't think color hex is far behind in that. Uh, no, no, fusions, fusions is the brand. Fusions on that team is the franchise yeah. player. He's the one with the he's the custer. He's the one with the show. All right. Yeah, yeah. And I, mean, I don't disagree, closer, but huh? I think that there's oh, really? a lot of people who, who stand color hex <laughs> nice in plug. Overwatch. Nice plug. <laughs> I th- I think that the Boston has um as as mean as it as it is to say they do kind of attract an attaboy attitude where it's just like oh you guys are pretty bad like I wish you'd be better like I'm gonna cheer you when you win you know at you know good on you but is it really the players and the coaches that we're worried about is that what is supposed to give me hope we've had the same management for. Three years now, not a ton. You, of you, you are going to have to pry that position from Hawks' cold dead hands. Like, I get that, it. Like, yeah, I think I think you are more likely to see the uh, the Boston Uprising win the Overwatch League than you are to see Huck be sure. removed without him choosing to go. Mm-hmm. I one hundred percent agree. I I think it's going to be difficult. I would love to see them get ahead of that and say like we're doing things different. This is what we're going to do. I'd like more transparency on that front. If they want this to change, if they want like the, I, the narrative around them to change, I think they have to get in front of it. I don't think they're going to, but you know, that's, that's kind of where I sit with this team where it's like, you could do whatever you want to this roster. I somehow don't think it's going to work. The only times it did is when you had arguably the best coach we will probably ever see in this game. I'll managing your roster. I'll, I'll straight they, up. <laughs> they chose to let him go. Oh, you mean yeah. you mean shake, Constant right? Fallouts. You mean shake no. from Gunba? No. Do you mean mineral? Gunba, right? I mean Gunba again. You have to put some credit on his name with you what do. he's yeah. doing. Absolutely, you got to put do. some credit with him. Yeah. So again, another fantastic coach that has an eye that has you know a vision for things. Within two games now, is gone. I I, I do not have hope, Gu- guys. I'll still shoot you this one. I don't think there's any way that Boston Uprising finishes top bottom five next season. Huh? What do you know, huh? What do you uh, know, we'll Yiska? See. We'll see. <laughs> yeah? We'll see. We're going to just we'll take see. a pause until Yiska speaks up because you can't be dishing <laughs> that kind of shit on the show. Well, I, okay. Let me lay out the breadcrumbs. Yeah. What is Boston's problem? A lot of things. Can we, I, I have to figure Do out what I can time? say. We're already like... We're already like what, no. what can I say? Let's, can I start with the logo? Fundamentally, like go higher from now? season one, okay, like, mm-hmm. yes, it was always uphill battles, but yeah. what, what is the thing that Boston Uprising is known for? Moneyball. Money uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Which means, which is another word for? Money. 
lack of money. Saber metrics. Less money. Less money. Yes. Less money. Money and money. money. Okay. Yeah. I think a bunch of teams will be money ballier than the uprising next season. Sure. I agree. I think Mm -hmm. there are some teams that are going to do it better than them. Like we saw the Valiant do. There's not. I don't think. I don't think there are fifth. I don't think there are fifteen teams that will like. Yeah, no. Do that though. Like, how how many teams do we need to straight moneyball this that would oh, finish oh, below I, Boston Uprising? Wait, what did I say? I said they are not know. going to. Oh right, okay. Five. Oh, so you just have I to didn't... finish above. There's bottom there's five. Yeah, right? so you're yeah. saying that there's yeah, yeah, five yeah. Okay. other teams in Overwatch League that are going to try to out moneyball. Right. The uprising. And I think they can. Judging by now. Unless like there's like a sugar daddy coming into <laughs> one of these other teams. <laughs> maybe they should pay pay. Who knows? Yeah. And then then maybe other teams will you, once again like start. Yeah. Do you have any um inkling at what you think those which franchises that might be? Hurricane? Yes, but oh, sorry, wait, not hurricane. That means Spitfire more than giving away there. Oh <laughs> Spitfire. Spitfire will be one of the teams that try a money ball, I think, sure. based off of the commentary we've seen so far. Very early mm-hmm. days with what they're ready to announce, but I can definitely see that being one. Uh, do you think Vancouver Titans do it again, Yiska? Are you saying that we've seen Teen Titans 2.0 because they've kept half of them? True. Yeah. That that yeah, in so itself. Two. Also, yeah. So let, uh, let me, Shredlock, let me also Dalton, say by this. the way, are the only yes. three left, I think, on uh, on Those contract. are the three that we've re-signed, yeah. There is another thing, we've another factor that cannot, that cannot be Sorry. underestimated. It's like, it's not about resources, just resources. It's also about the framework in which you can become active in the market. Mm-hmm. If your ownership group is fine with going, you have this budget, get whoever. Mm-hmm. Then that is very different than you have this budget. Yeah, this budget. You can Maybe. only look here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I trust right. I trust those limitations in an even even with certain, you know, uh fringe cases set aside, I trust that in an unproven like gatekeeper than I would with the Boston Uprising at this point. <laughs> you just don't like it. Is, it is I <sighs> I, I don't want them to be poor, but it's consistently like like ass backwards. Like we said, Krusty's I'm, I'm, gone. Striker's gone. Right. right. Gunba's gone. Who right. else? Name them. Yeah, Jerry. They lost the vast. They lost the best main support we've ever seen in this game. <laughs> and they just let him ride on the bench until he became absolutely worthless. All right, that's the end of the show. <laughs> We're done. We're getting out of here. Yeah. Ah, uh, man. Tread wide in the chat. Say it right. three times and it ends every podcast worldwide. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I just, know how to get out of a difficult question then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what Boston. I, I, I want them to be different. I don't want bad teams in the league. But, I want but, a okay. competitive week. Joe, you got to explain to me how this okay. is... Okay. Yeah. What is the entity... That keeps that's what's the cruise ship anchor that weighs this team down? Because I don't think a general manager can have that influence on a franchise to that point. We've fired everyone that has anything to do on this roster now. Why would it like maintain the same properties going into the next season? I don't know. Why did it do it the same way last season? Why did they do it the same way before? There's only one person that seems to remain constant. Yes, get him out. Get him out. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you think like Hug literally body checks into people and says, "Let me pray. I'm still in my prime in gaming." Or like, no, I don't. But he does it with the coaching. Apparently, that's the only thing I can figure. That's the only thing I can point to and say, "You're the only. You're the decision maker. You're the only person that has remained a consistent like thread throughout these into all the three of these years, and we're still doing it." In a very interesting way. I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm, I'm not saying that there's not a trend established that okay. the presence of Huck might be making or, or that Huck might be making worse choices than others in building okay. that. We also don't know the, the resources there. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just talking like from, from the information that we have disregarding sure. everything. We also have to kind of consider that they actually did quite well with him. Uh, there, of course, if you want to give ninety nine percent to Krusty, be my guess that you can do that. I think I would. Right, sign me up. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm usually on your side with this thing, but I wouldn't give ninety nine percent to him. I, I think I think a quick caveat to add into this is like the only person who, the only person that Huck answers to is someone in the Kraft company so he's not mm -hmm. answering directly to Robert Kraft it's probably right. some like senior vice president of like marketing or product or something right sure. or teams what is the measurement of success they are weighing against Huck okay is it create a a skeleton organization or a sock puppet team that survives long enough for you to start filling seats at a homestand? Is it to create an Overwatch League winning roster? Is it to sell players for profit, become a scouting ground and moneyball the shit out of this to, for like some kind of like sale profit? What is the objective that Huck right. is measured against by the people that matter to his right. hiring decisions? Yep. We do not know that. We can take guesses, we can speculate it, but yep. by the fact that he has three years, probably a fourth in the bag as, in his position, right. he is doing something right to the people that Correct. matter. Oh, 100%. I, right. I, I, I can't argue with that. I think he's done a great job if his primary directive is to build a bazaar where you, <laughs> you, you recruit the best of the best and then you sell them at 300% you know, profit. Mm -hmm. That's great. I, I mean, I've from said my this. perspective, I don't particularly care for it, and I, I think people are getting real. I think over I it. still to this day think the Boston Uprising are top third in Overwatch League and money in, money out. Oh, for sure, probably 100%. yeah, yeah. I I'd probably put money on that. They I'd got in in season one, so they're already doing better than the season two <laughs> teams, true. right? They, they, they so, it all like, the in season one, were just lower just, in yeah. general. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like there, there is you know they're div. The, Unfortunately, in sports, the only way to play the game is not win a championship. That's not the only way to play the game. Like I, I think, in a perfect world, in, in a in a Yaskonian <laughs> universe, uh, there is a a completely competitive league where the only thing that matters and the only incentive and the only thing that drives players and organizations and coaches and everything else is just win a championship. Um, right. I'm not and saying that that any player playing wants to lose. I, I think, especially on 100%. players, that is false. But I think on organizations yeah, yes. and teams, there is okay there is a, a maximization of effort of mm -hmm. uh, money in, money out, uh, where you have to look and go. And I like it's funny because I actually watched Moneyball came on Netflix this last week, and so I rewatched Moneyball. Film. It's a great it's film. It's so oh good, dude. Man, what Jonah Hill has done for himself, amazing. 
Uh, now, to be fair with Boston, I, I, I do. You have to give them at least some credit for the players that they have scouted, the players that they have yes. kind of acquired. They do a good job there. Yeah. It's just translating that into some form of like relative success where it's there are teams that do or have adopted the same strategy you have arguably to a lesser extent in some areas. I think there are some teams that probably have adopted this money ball strategy and have, right. you know, not procured the same level of talent, but still perform better. So it's bringing right. that bar chart to kind of use that, you know, framework that we tend to go to bringing that up a, a level and saying, okay, well, how can we still maximize our profits and maximize, you know, the acquisitions and still be competitive because this team has not been competitive Stage for, four, season uh, one. It's so frustrating. Is it stage four or is it stage three? They had one good stage in season one. Stage and three, I think they did the... Yeah, the, and then... Know, stage, yeah. Yeah. It was after like, the, the, the DK stage, actually. They yeah. lost DK. We're like, well, s there goes uh, there goes the uprising. And then... Yeah. Crusty me. So just no, to clarify, I mean, I just clarify the, that, that's Dreamcast the... Dreamcast left season yes, two. Yes, I was going to say, oh, because like, you're saying jacket. DK and people associate it with yeah, right. know, the player that's on the Justice. It's a hard... It's a hard yeah. avoid. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, some yeah, people okay, are really weird you about, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. it's like Voldemort yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I understand it, but like, I think you should just clarify that, because people are like, what the fuck? DK is I don't think that was really the patch. Like, it was literally... I think Krusty started in stage four for the shock, right? I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think, so. I think that's the clear breaking point, right? Mm -hmm. I'd say so. Krusty started 10 26 2017. No, that's for the show. Oh, shot. he left. He left. Yeah. You're saying he left. Yeah, got it. Okay, sorry. I think okay. he started for the right. uprising in stage four. I was like, no, no, no. no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm with you. We're, we're good. We're on the same page. Right. right. And then, uh, to be fair, there was also uh, a meta switch back then. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that you're leaning adds hard. some volatility uh, there. Yep. Uh -huh. So, I mean, Jesus Christ, like three years in, in esports is crazy long ago. Like, okay. And then, yeah, blame, I mean, blame the meta. Let's go. It's hard to, uh, to judge all of that. I think like you can, you can look at those uh, results and say, okay, this is, this is kind of problematic. Like voting, like now firmly being the worst franchise in, uh, yep. are they? Who would I believe they are. No, I, I don't yeah. believe anybody Florida is. Turned is around, Florida turned, turned it around. Shanghai turned it around. Shanghai. Is it Houston, guys? No. You forget uh, Houston in stage one of season one, okay, where they went. Hey, if we if we have to if we have to pinpoint a singular stage yeah. or anything to indicate Dude, success, like it was, it was, it's a throwback to we had a really angry email on this show early on. Where <laughs> we rated Houston relatively lowly and like, did you not watch season one, stage one uh, semifinals where the only three teams made it and Houston was one of those teams? And they lost. Oh, yeah, myself. because they were still sorting out of the preseason. Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's like uh, a little bit of a. It has to be the justice being the worst by win rate, right? Yeah. If you're going specifically French. win rate, but it's yeah, also but, an expansion but Boston team. And Boston and Houston have had the longest run because they've right. been here since right. season one, whereas Justice did right, not. Right, right. right. And I, then I think... it might still be fuel. No, no, no. Boston, I think Boston on average has finished lower than both yes. of those teams highlighted yes. across all three. If you, if you say finish like heavy ahead of no. Oh, if, if you so if you honestly though like I want I, I'm gonna diverge a little bit. This this. If you biased. say right Hitting. now, 
Which of the original 12 teams is the worst team in Overwatch League right now? Just overall, taking everything into account. You're saying, results, you're saying right money now, in, though, money You're out. saying right now. I am, now, but I'm just saying like, it, it, I think it would be the Dallas feel for me. Worst team, money in, money out. I mean, you're saying money in, money yeah, out. Right, okay, yeah, so yeah. now we're talking about the cost of it. I'm, I'm saying everything. You you take oh. everything. You have a giant money ball spreadsheet but of there's so many everything. Different, there's so many different care. things to consider there, though. <laughs> because, like, I think they're up of, there. I don't know like, if I'd be able to The, the other that. thing is, like, in terms of building brands, like, Fueled and, Dal- Fueled and Houston have been two of the strongest uh, in terms of the fan base they've generated. That's another yeah. metric of success. I, I think that overall, if you weigh everything up the the under the most underperformed from our, all these different metrics we want to consider about what makes an overwatch league franchise i would still give it to boston i don't think boston has done enough performance wise i think the money in money out is the big ticket winner there on the big pro column yeah. i think the content was and season pretty one, a fifth place finish third third place in the regular season that's my point i i don't think there's any way that boston is worse than oh, Dallas. Yeah, you're right third yeah sorry i missed a third place finish in season one. Boston was like third in an it, it depends on how much we respect season one just in general, right? I mean, if you're just tallying them up, I'd be surprised. I would be shocked to see that fuels like low mid-pack performance season two. Like, yeah, pretty piss poor for performance season one. And then a, a pretty low performance beats one good performance. And then two like bottom performances. I, All right. I'm I sorry I brought us down there. Like that was, it was just kind of like a random I think thing. A, like, I think it's a fun it's, conversation. It's, it's the interesting thing is it's not either of the team. It's not any of the teams <laughs> that have had like 20th place seasons. As yeah. a team that's consistently underperformed expectations, it's a team that has consistently scored poorly overall in the season. Um, and a team overall that has kind of had a lot of like uh, controversy and turnover around them. Um, and like that's the Dallas fuel. I, I think that going into right now today, if you ask me, what is the sure. least healthy franchise in the Overwatch League? Yeah, I, like man, I'm like yeah. I'm hard to say it's not the Dallas. I'm, it's hard for me to say it's not the Dallas fuel. Yeah. You've sold me. <laughs> Next time someone asks me that question, I'm gonna be like, you know what? Fuck the Dallas fuel. Fuck. <laughs> that's gonna be my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think it would I be think- remiss if we didn't kind of touch on I wanted to kind of transition when we were on London, but hard yeah. swapping. Okay. Do we want to talk about Nukia's new GM? Where yes! the direction is? Yes, we do. And Nukia's <laughs> on the show next week, right? She should be. As long as we confirm their dates, Mr. Uh German. Oh. Give me them dates. And then we can we can have a hard and fast uh confirmed yeah. day. But well, I, have, I might have uh, even have said on Twitter that Dude, we confirmed her for next week. And she we we have a pencil so and 33 years old and single. I'm not great at dating, it's dude. It's called like, I <laughs> dude, dude, Get it together. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Spitfire. So, uh, brand new GM, Nuki coming in. On the heels of me uh, mentioning her two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Very oh, you're declaring yourself a prophet now, are we? Okay. <laughs> to be fair, uh, I think all three of us on the sto- uh, on the on the show have uh, been super duper rooting for Nuki uh, for years. <laughs> it feels like on this one, so I am so happy with this new GM signing. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm 
I've I've immediately like feel I feel like I'm like bookmarking the Overwatch League store for uh, Spitfire merch <laughs> at this point. I'm all about it. I think it's awesome. Right. I think it's it's a okay. it's a it's a tough decision. Uh, I think the one in Spitfire last year, if we look at them, are there was I think that there was some really interesting things about that roster and franchise mm-hmm. to really like. And I think we're looking right now, and um, I think ev- is it everybody's everybody's gone. No, not, not everyone. everyone. They've retained. They've still retained. They've Callista. got the people who you'd think you'd retain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Still there. Callista so and, uh, Fuse. Yeah. At least technically for right now, yeah. we have I think a date coming up that will probably clarify that. Here's, here's here's the thing about that, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna completely redesign your your house, right? You know, you walk into your house and you've got like some nice artwork on the walls and it's, it mm-hmm. looks pretty. You like it. You have some sentimental value to it, right? But you're like completely renovating everything. You're like changing the floor plan. You're knocking down walls. You're putting up features and all sorts. And then when you do that, it's like you realize that while that artwork's really good, you got a lot of compliments. It's a bit of a draw. It, it doesn't have relevancy in the new in the new floor plan and so you have to kind of like figure out what you want to do the players they're not getting rid of the players because they're not they're bad they just gonna like get rid of them because they just don't have relevancy yeah. but if you've got like a, an original jackson pollock painting you keep hold of that motherfucker until someone buys it and that's what you're doing with glister fuse uh, Forgetting Sanguinar on the roster, yeah, Bernard is technically still there as well. So sorry, I I should have declared those comments were based off of the Kevin Hit article from Esports Observer, but nothing official. There's still rumors. They've 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 announced they've announced a load of departures. Yeah, they've announced a lot of departures. Mm -hmm. I think the messaging from Nuki was very obviously to that. Like that, we're not going to see a, a hybrid roster, probably. Um, like I, I think that was all but spelled out. There was also a podcast after that I only caught like half of. I'm pretty sure like this is happening, right? Yes. But yes. these are also great like trading chips in the market if you want to get uh, like players there, right? So it's not even about the trading chips as well. It's also about like the sale value of these. It's like. Right. The, the worst possible outcome is that no one wants to pay the money and we see these players ride the bench next year. That's yeah. the worst possible outcome for everyone. Yes. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's an interesting, like, chess play where it's like... Okay, let's let's think about this, right? What's the J-Mac thing that, about? Like, I don't understand. Is... Okay, there's three things, but because J-Mac is out, right? Okay, yeah, he so wasn't I, I need part- you to definitely elaborate on that for anybody who's right. not up to date. Yeah. Right. So Spitfire Fire announces I believe it was seven players that were going to leave the organization. Notably absent were like Berna, Glista, Fuse, Sanguina, and J-Mac. Mm-hmm. Then first J-Mac makes like a tweet okay I'm not concerned London is looking out for me. Now he is has announced free agency. And I'm wondering what that what that means. Does that mean is he has he been picked up? Has he been not resigned? Has he requested to be uh, let go from a contract or whatever so he can mm-hmm. pursue the the transfer season without a buyout? What what's that about? Like what is happening there? I, I'm interested. Right? So we we have the official <sighs> London tweet, right? 
about JMac, mm-hmm. which is today we yeah, have another is- tough announcement. We are releasing JMac from the Spitfire. Sure. Yeah. So a release, a release without a a release without a buyout is often weird, but it is possible that release is tied to a deal. Obviously, the other team is just not in a position to announce it yet. That's yeah. option one, right? Could and that's be. the best option for everyone because it means he's got a new home. It's a transition mm-hmm. to a player. Someone's picked up a player. The other option is that, like, maybe Spitfire don't like their chances of like getting JMac on a resale value, and so they release JMac mutually so they don't have to pay him his salary and he goes elsewhere and tries as a free agent instead it means he doesn't ride the bench that's the benefit for jmac and the benefit for spitfire is they don't have to pay his salary regardless of what happens so i think option two is the most likely thing that's happened here they mutually agree because spitfire don't think they're going to get a buyout for jmac i think that's the looking out for is like they could easily hold him until i think the next date is like confirmed free agency where it's like you have to like declare that your players are or are not on contract uh Hopefully. maybe i'm missing that would have days. to be, be decided now that's the that's the pressing issue that jmac was signed in 2019 that sure. date has passed mm-hmm. where where you would have to uh trigger that plus one they just don't also, understand the jiminy mcmacaroons alliterations yeah. i think <laughs> is what it really comes down to they don't understand right. social media and memes like, I don't know. This this is uh, it's hard for me to decipher. I think there's other possibilities. What mm-hmm. what might be going on there? But um, that that's an interesting one, and it also has po- possible implications for the rest of the members. I feel where it's like I don't know if if I mean it's it's more likely that you're going to sell all four of those. I also think JMac was actually um, considered quite contested. Highly. Yeah, yeah, that was like, that was bizarre. That I'm still like kind of scratching my head on. Um, so I do want to say something because Eric did clarify for us: 2020 PSA contracts would have uh, would have to be decided. 2019 PSA contract deadline for um, option decisions. option decisions is November 13th. It's the other way around. If if I right, apparently not. Keep going. I'm I'm looking. I don't know, but uh, I I think yeah. I think. Obviously, the it's been quite clear from the messaging we've got from Spitfire so far that we shouldn't expect a Korean roster. We should expect a European roster, or at the bare minimum, a Western roster. So mm-hmm. that the the as soon as I read that, the the knee jerk chimp brain reaction was Hurricane to Owl, Hurricane yeah. to Owl, it's happening, boys. Um, uh, that would probably win a lot of like good sentiment in the community. And like, obviously, you know, you want to strip it down and be really cynical. Nuki just goes, cool. Hurricane GM, Spitfire GM. Hurricane team, Spitfire team. And just migrate mm. everything across. I don't think that is what's going to happen, though. I think that if you put Hurricane in our right now, you may end up with something reminiscent of Teen Titans. That is not... I think they would perform a little bit better than the Vancouver Teen Titans. Okay. But... I, I mean, like the name, by the way. The Teen, Teen Titans. Titans yeah, Teen Titans on like the actual like entry point when they started versus Hurricane when they start. I think mm. Hurricane beats them in a straight head-to-head. Without a doubt. Mm. Um, how they fare up against the rest of the league, um, I think they would still struggle. 
is that what you want from your roster? Or do you want something that's going to be a little bit more competitive? I think with the options available to you with European players, I think you can make something that's built to last and not ride on that initial success of pre-existing synergy. I, I think that you can make investments here for the future off of the European free agents that aren't just picking up the entirety of Hurricane. Yep. I think I, I'd agree with most of the sentiment. I think this is, I think the the upside here, and I think the the best case scenario is probably to look at this team um, moving forward, almost like a Valiant coming into this season where it's like, probably it looks on paper to be almost a bottom five or like maybe, you know, there's some, you know, uh, rookie European players that come in and, you know, are, are gems that we don't know about, which hopefully mm-hmm. Trid can, you know, drop some juice on. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think that this team will be judged as a bottom five team because of, you know, lackluster names, not a big picture. You know, it's not Hurricane completely. So people get big mad. Um, and I think they're going to perform above We'll have to see. I think I'm I'm I think from starting from the top with Nuki and working my way down, I think I'm going to like slowly love the roster. It'll just mm-hmm. take time and it's not going to be the best team. And she's right. very clear in saying that, like, we're probably not going to be top five guys. I think I, I, I love everything what they're doing so far. Her at GM, she's done well. She's obviously created a, a winning you know model with with Hurricane. Yeah, I the think winning model with Hurricane in Europe right now is called money. So <laughs> can we? I mean, I, I do, can we take a, a brief moment though and talk about Nuki because Nuki is coming into a pretty exclusive club for Overwatch League, and that is our third uh, female GM. We had Kate, mm-hmm. uh, Kate Mitchell. Um, we had uh, Annalyn yeah. Dang, uh, and now uh, we've got Nuki. And this this has been really tough. Each of them have uh, so far. Um, Kate Cindy. and and Ballin have. Uh, Susie, you forget, yeah, Susie, Susie Kim. Was Susie Kim. Oh, yeah, you're right, Susie Kim. Um, I'm, I apologize. Uh, so, but the uh, Annalyn. Let me and, save you. Yeah, the pattern is Washington Justice there, not necessarily the profile of. Yes. because Susie won a uh, Overwatch League, right? Because what? Susie, wait, Susie, was Susie Kim GM of over of Spitfire when Spitfire won? Uh, I think the. I think she might have quit shortly before, and Robin was already. No, 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 no. I think Susie was. Uh, was Pretty actually sure yeah. Was still... I remember. I remember writing an article about Prophet wa- wanting to wax lyrically after, oh, and then I had to communicate with Susie for that. Mm. Might have been maybe. No, she, no. I, sh- I think she was. She yeah. left twenty nineteen six fourteen. Yeah, Stylos is in chat saying she was S one GM replaced right. by Bishop. Well, so so technically. Uh, Susie Kim is one of the most successful GMs Overwatch League has ever seen. There you go. Sure. So, uh, but all I have to say that it's still, it's still a very exclusive <laughs> club. <laughs> one of, and done, boys. There yeah. it is. Wrap it up. <laughs> four four GMs in total in Overwatch League, over twenty teams over three years, and um, none of them currently are in that GMing spot except for Nuki. Uh, mm-hmm. I I know for I I think I can speak for Joe Yiska and I like I think we we are really excited to see right uh, uh, Nuki go, but like I, I would love to hear your guys' confidence in like I think why Nuki 
is such a great GM. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you could almost stop at British Hurricane um, in a lot of ways. Uh, I have to play a devil's advocate massively on that. Like I, I've, I, I will start before I say everything here. Massive mm-hmm. fan of Nuki, right? Yeah. I'm just doing this purposely to put some brakes on the hype train of Hurricane, right. totally, because I, like because they are like they absolutely yeah. they've been dominant. Their record speaks for themselves. Performance speaks for themselves. Right. Like everything like that. How much can you attest to? So this is the thing. Be really, really. Ob- purposely obnoxious about this right how much success can you attribute to nuki when they are one of the only organizations in europe that pays mm-hmm. a decent salary they have a monopoly on european players because of it they have had a consistently strong roster they always seem to acquire coaches because they have resources how much of that do you put on nuki as just to be that slight little roadblock here because right. if yet again playing devil's advocate here yeah nuki went into the role as if i remember correctly um the manager of one, two, three, which was a really strong, um, really strong Overwatch contenders t- a team pre the formation of 2018 contenders. Spitfire came in, wanted to pick up the whole roster, picked up Nuki in a package deal. Mm. Nuki then became manager of Hurricane, is my understanding of the situation. I don't so have that for his- Liquipedia, by the way. So if you are a Liquipedia editor and that is the case, I don't have her for one, two, three. I think it was, are you? Those guys, those guys, those guys, those guys, yes, those guys, sorry, it's been so long, I don't think, I I hate, because I honestly don't know, like, this is me literally just looking at a webpage, um, sorry, continue, right, um, so you, you could sit here and cynically go, Mm -hmm. Nuki was attached to the roster, he may have built the roster, went into her hurricane position, and then continued on a path of resource and success in Europe, unchallenged, in the modern day of contenders, there was obviously competition that came in through well, a lot more organizations in EU that we don't have now. But the thing that dismantles that and why you can clearly dispute it is why in the hell would Cloud9 go, okay, we don't want you to just do Hurricane. We want you to do right. Cloud9. We're going to put the resources in to visa you to come work in the States, be our manager, manage multiple teams. You're also going to be a central point of contact for boot camp when it comes to world championship with the successful League of Legends team. This is a coach that the organization this is the manager that the organization has an abundance of confidence in. And right. with the endemic background that comes from Nuki's existence and proximity to the scene. Right. This is a GM that will have a lot of high expectations for, mm-hmm. and they are rightly placed upon them. It comes down to the Huck thing, though. What is the sure. objective? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we know what that. What is the objective? Right? Do we? I think she's... I think she's... Yeah, we should have... She's Clear, sort of clearly out. Yeah, very clearly, she's like, no, she's very clearly said Western team, right? Very right. clearly, she's said very that. also clearly said that they're probably not going to win. Right. Yes, okay, fine. Like she's jumping ahead. Of okay, that. that that's fine. Sure. That's setting expectations, right? But like, what is yeah. the goal of the team? It was what's the goal Our, of Nuki? Yeah. Shall we say more accurately? I th- I think we have that already. Okay. I think the the points like sh- in the announcement video, and maybe I'm mixing it up with the podcast I watched after, but the message that I received, and I might be wrong here, but. Mm-hmm is to help the European scene and activate European fan, fan base that way. Okay. Okay. That's why also 
and th that's also another thing that speaks for Nuki, I think, is why they are keeping uh, Hurricane around. Now, keep in mind, think of this, right? It would be easy for a GM to say, I'm scraping the academy team. I'm firing all the coaches that are receiving livable wages right now. Scrapping all the players that are receiving these wages. And I'm putting that on my budget for my Overwatch League team in order to achieve more. That's not what Spitfire is doing, though. Like, they explicitly said... We're going to keep Hurricane around. We want to connect these two teams uh, with one another to strengthen whatever's going on in the European scene and uh, help out in that way, right? Mm -hmm. And while as a general manager, you can never implicitly say for us it's about like development of European talent and or uh, like having European fans engage with us and we don't care about... Um, competitive results and i don't mm. think that's true it's definitely not it's 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 i, I get the feeling that this is down the priority list yeah you think it's like a lower priority to like perform extremely well i don't think like to what you're saying i don't think the idea is to underperform purposefully yes but with the directive that she's been given the messaging thus far has leaned more towards supportive not being the best being good enough representing the region well operating within the means and now performing whenever yes. possible yeah i can't the la valiant pure from pure 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 cynicism i can't take altruism as the main objective here That's, i can't sure. i no. can't take i can't take the decisions as we're doing this to benefit eu there is an angle here that's not implicitly being said there's nothing wrong with that by the way i know mm. an angle being taken usually has negative connotations there is nothing right. wrong with that but i can't take altruism as the main objective here i mean I'm, there's no true yeah, altruism and i'm sorry i'm, I'm sorry i misunderstood <laughs> what the point was because yeah, that came so, across yeah. very very preachy is like we're doing this to we're doing this to build up eu right, save right. the yeah. region like it, <laughs> it, it, it can't that cannot be the main reason tactical crouch saves eu <laughs> I mean, is actually the podcast title and <laughs> Yep, that's going to be it uh, for this Why one. Am I here? I'm not going to help you save you. Uh, so I do want to just make sure I walk back and say my excitement for Nuki, I think she's a phenomenal human being, and I think she's mm. going to make a, mm -hmm. uh, a kick-ass manager, uh, GM. I think mm. she's going to be amazing at it. But that is not directly tied to whatever the 2021 season standings might stay. I yes. just I believe yes. and trust in Nuki to uh, field the best team that she can uh, and to achieve great results and to do so in a way uh, that is like, I, man, it's just like like with integrity. <laughs> like It's, yeah, it's such a weird thing to say, uh, yeah. but like, you know, like there's I, I've known Nuki totally randomly because. Uh, like, I think the history probably should be said here in the sense that uh, when I was doing Overwatch League daily, I had asked a lot of people um, involved in the Overwatch scene um, to, like, come onto the show and be a guest. And uh, almost all of them did. And Yiska was one of the few people who were like, you know what, I want to send you to a Discord server that we're all in. And uh, we'll help you come up with questions, help you make better shows, and just ultimately just, like, be friends. And... Uh, ever since that moment like there's 
and, and Nuki and I are like, I wish I could say like, well, we're really close. We're best friends. Yeah. We're not, uh, we're, we're not really close. We're not best friends. Um, mm-hmm. I love her. I think that she's, she's an, an amazing human being, but man, just every, like getting to watch somebody from that point where that was pre, I think, uh, pre yeah. any of these teams at all. And just kind of mm-hmm. somebody who is, I feel like the adminning tournaments. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if I would be admin correct yeah, uh, a tournament admin. Yep. And she, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, she was also a, a part of some of the early Take TV stuff Take as TV well. She was product, on hand yep. for like Takeover. Take yep. Yeah. Wearing many Did hats. Observing yeah. That. yeah. Just yep. uh, in, in like, here's the thing is like uh, my favorite people in just any, honestly, any sort of like uh, uh, discipline is just like hard worker. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's I think that's Nuki in a nutshell, and I think that's somebody that Overwatch League needs in the GM role, um, just in general across all twenty franchises. And I think that they really nailed it with Nuki. Uh, I have like the utmost confidence that she's going to be awesome. Um, so I want to say I'm not trying to paint an unnecessary like portrait. I'm not trying to put any sort of expectations on her to uh, achieve certain results. I just like I think it's a little bit of a fanboy moment where I'm just like (laughs) yeah. Yeah, let's go. Like, let's mm-hmm. let's get it done. It feels just it feels need. good to see the right person in the right mm-hmm. role sometimes, and I feel like it's the right person in the right role. Yep. Yeah. You just need like this is what you need the most, and it's what a lot of esports positions, not just in Overwatch, are like missing. You just need endemic people who aren't. Wait one second before I finish this. Uh, if I raise my finger, can you beat me? Is that something you can do I can beat on you. your end? Yep, I got. Yeah, you. okay. So when I raise my finger, you just beat me, and I'll yep. save you the edit. <laughs> so when it comes to this, just the esports, you need people who are endemic, and they are not fuck charlatans. <laughs> that time that work properly. I think I will we'll hey. find out. We'll see. <laughs> find out. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we'll see how but, uh, it worked. Yeah, we'll see how that works. But anyway, you just need people who aren't charlatans. You need people who know what they're talking about. You need endemic people. Nuki ticks those two boxes. I and, I totally yeah. agree. Like I think the the value of you already when you started with this and saying like the industry needs more endemic, it's already one yep. in my book. Yeah. <laughs> this is already true everywhere. Please, right? I Tapeable need somebody from Major League Baseball to tell me how to stream on Twitch. I think they'll yeah. put it put it the best. Well, Joe Sports Ball number three grand, you know, four hundred. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I like Sweet, that. by the way. I, but so, real quick, just yeah, on this, the beauty of the approach that C9 as an organization, I've, I sense this a little bit because Nuki also said that uh, sure transparency is very important. I feel like when we also look at the Cloud9 uh, CSGO roster, mm-hmm. We are going to get clarity and transparency about what the goals are. Most definitely, we're probably like going to find out on Crouch uh, on that uh, day. I mean, and, that's a wish list for you, right? Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I have to. I have to touch with a little bit. This is why I'm going to be doing a little bit more cynicism to this one. I think the rules of engagement for what you disclose in CS:GO. Right. Are very right. different to Overwatch League. Oh, yes. for sure. I think yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, yeah. think we can get that level of transparency. Not that, I, I don't that, think that we can talk about realistic goals. Yeah. Like what? Yes. What is actually yes. this t- uh, team designed for? Why would you like competitively almost um, like tank yourself a little bit at least in the next season by keeping Hurricane around and not using that budget in order to 
uh, get better players, better coaches, more more of everything. Um, like what what's the what is the conception here, and what are the goals that you, that you're trying to follow? And I think to a decent degree, these answers have already been given. But I won't speak for her here because, uh, mm. like, I would probably just uh, fail to deliver the details. But yeah. I, I want to cut this here because I feel like, honestly, with this group dynamic, I uh, man, we just need to reschedule Trid, I think, and just go through some <laughs> more of these because this has been so much fun. Uh, but I know we did have some specific questions lined up yeah. for Trid about the right. EU region um, and just kind of, I think... Uh, Contenders EU in general and, and everything else, and I think Joe and Yiska, I'm going to let you kind of take the reins on that uh, because I know that you you guys spent a lot of times on the questions. So, yeah, I think it's just more of with the you know the the time we've got left. It's just kind of first, I'd like to start with like a general temperature check on like what. Give me like a as probably difficult as it is a TLDR of contenders EU for let's just say this season like what are some of the big storylines what are some things that have kind of captured your heart in that way other than hurricane winning everything okay so this just makes my life easier because it means i don't have to expand on my notes i could just read the bullet points <laughs> we have to keep it brief. Mm. um hurricane yeah don't need to say anything about them results speak for themselves we already touched on it briefly mm. um i think that like we so this is a fun fact anyway this month anyway is the first time we've actually seen the repeat eight teams in a contenders bracket so like the teams got knocked mm. into trials last month they are back because they came through trials interesting um i think that like for this month in particular for me anyway all eyes are on yab right yab have okay. just put together like a really good team and they screwed the pooch last month they did not live up to expectations whereas i think if you look at this month with a little bit more time with the roster i think that we're going to end up having like a better showing from this month i don't think they're a hurricane killer just yet but i think they mm. can make a good run i think another team to keep an eye out for um would be sheer cold i think they're a little bit of a dark horse they're not like they don't have star power on there okay but i think particular players from that roster that have stood out to me for the past couple of months have been greffin who's um who the most notable performance they would have had would have been on the irish world cup team and mm. then also Alex as well, who's a fantastic off tank. I have a lot of time for that kid. So mm. I think, yeah, teams to watch this month. Uh, if you just coming into it blind, Hurricane, they're probably going to win. Doesn't really matter. That's a given. Right. It's a battle for second place. Uh, Yab should improve. Um, Sheer Cold or a Dark Horse and Obey Alliance have actually been pretty solid as well. So mm. a couple of teams. Okay, so there's a for. team that definitely has avoided that list and that's avoided oh right? ha 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 yeah yeah what? i didn't actually mean to do that but i'm kind of self uh, I, I, I mean i can see the disgust on yiska's face <laughs> this is where i just hate that john is not here because you deserve to be i would booed. i would get sure boom yes <laughs> be my and everything be my soundtrack that's fine so why how is this team dodged that list when they've taken hurricane so close within this last tournament is there something that was you know you can write them off by or are they not like looking as good in you know the next meta where where is that sit avoided avoided are always tough to kind of like diagnose okay. right they are like 
they are a team that thrives on chaos. There's just like mm. so much stuff going on. Like you, you interview players after facing avoided. Like you, I think I spoke to Danit after the Hurricane final where they got taken to five maps. It's the first time I've actually seen them struggle. Yeah. Um, there's so much going on. You've got Ball, you've got Tracer running at you. Like you have to deal with that. On top of that, you then have Yezen just living like an AC-130 in the sky. Uh, you, there is too much to to download, digest, and adapt to, and a team that's not as kind of rehearsed and as prepped as Hurricane falter. They fall by the mm. wayside. It's a little bit of a clockwork vendetta paradox okay, here. Where okay. It's like it was like you kind of you have to be in a certain mindset. You have to prep for that team, um, which is ironic because they allegedly don't do any prep at all. Um, but like they're so different to how everyone else plays, you kind of like write them off because it's you, do you play for the one match or do you play for the tournament, right? Mm. It, you know, if that was the clockwork vendetta problem, and uh, there's an element of that we've avoided. Um, I feel as though like the more chaotic it is, read between the lines, the proximity to patch change to contenders tournament there is, avoid to do better. Mm. Um, we have a little bit more lead time. I don't know. I mean, I might get in trouble for saying this. We're going to be playing on Soldier Patch uh, for okay. this tournament. I don't know if that's come out. So we're playing with the the slightly changed legs. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's like a chaotic enough change to throw that imbalance we would usually see. So mm. um, I think that like, yeah, I don't think that we're going to see a stronger avoided this tournament run around. Fair enough. Now, we have seen AT, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the maddest of, of lads, the angriest of titans, you know, returning with uh, a bit of a vengeance. And one name really does stand out as somebody who's kind of come back and somebody that definitely Overwatch League adjacent fans are, are going to be happy to hear from. And that's Visility. So, like, looking at, you know, maybe some of the the, 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 the VODs that you've seen. Where where do we sit with the facilities? Is he, you know, as are are the stocks as high as he or as they were when he left? Is is this somebody that you could see tap to maybe at least trial for this new London rebuild, or maybe even possibly go to some of these other moneyball teams that our favorite German juice lord uh, so uh, beautifully alluded to? That means a different thing to different people, by the way. Oh oh, it does. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, so first of all, the funniest thing about Vizility coming back was his, like, announcement coincided with the kneecapping of one of his signature heroes. So, like, Genji got nerfed and then Vizility came back. It's right. like, great. What a time. What a time to pick a champ. Um, I think that, like, this is going to be a really obscure, uh, kind of, like, a metaphor for it. But, like, okay. here's how I see the Vizility thing happening. So, in, in the desert, in like the African desert, like mm. there's not really much water. I can see you already rubbing your temple. Paint, paint, paint me my picture. <laughs> paint, paint you the picture. So yeah. in the African desert, imagine you're 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 a tribesman walking through the desert. There's no water. You're you're drowning. You're not drowning. You're you're dying at first, right? And you need to find a water source, but they're so obscure. You're not really going to be able to find it, right? So lo- along comes it. You have to realize you have to capture a, a, a player of great caliber who's going to lead you to that water source. So you put a little, like, you etch a hole into like a little uh, rock. You put some seeds, some nuts in there, okay. and Vizility is going to Vizility, who is a bit of a chimpanzee, a baboon, if you will, mm. comes forward and he wants those nuts and seeds. He puts his hand in, he clenches to get hold of them, right? But now he can't get his fist out. He's locked in the contender system. 
Mm. So you as the tribesman, you what, what do you do? You go ahead and you leash that monkey because that monkey's going to be your ticket out of there. Your monkey's going to be the ticket to success. You feed him a bunch of salt. You, you, you feed him everything you want, right? And eventually, that he's going to get thirsty. He's going to want a taste of victory. So what is he going to do? He's going to lead you straight to victory. That is the ambition with this little baboon visility, that he's going to lead you to victory. But unfortunately, and the reality of the situation is, you're going to get to the watering hole, and the watering hole is tainted because... All the other monkeys on that roster have been pissing and shitting. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Vizility is the star baboon of this roster, but mm. the roster is not good enough to keep up. Um, ah. I think that with time they can get better, but I don't like the AT stonks right now. And I think Vizility yeah. could do better on a, or much better on a more stable roster. Mm. Yiski, you just lost your award for best uh, podcast metaphor. That one's up there. That was that was a picture painted. It's number one. It's not up there. It's number one. <laughs> also, facility. Maybe don't let people take pictures of you when you're oh, writing shit. DMs, dude. What happened? Just saying. Nobody caught I'll, it, but I'll let I'll let him explain after. But there are some okay. awards that I would like you to give out. Um, some that I think you'll have a, a bit of fun with if if mm -hmm. the the facility explanation was anything to go by. <laughs> Um, who would be your 2020 regular season MVP coming out of Europe? Obviously, the season hasn't technically ended yet, but mm -hmm. so far, do you have like a, a front runner that people should be kind of paying attention to and that probably will see in uh, the Overwatch League next season? Seeing in the Overwatch League next season is a difficult thing to call. Okay, uh, I, I, I leaving that aside. Yeah, 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 I can't associate that with the MVP straight up. Um, mm. uh, asking me to pick for an MVP out of Europe is just basically saying who's your favorite player on Hurricane. I think it's a disservice to give it to a player on any other team based off of mm -hmm. the track record we've seen. Um, Who is, though? Who's your favorite player on Hurricane? <laughs> <laughs> That's the inclination I'm leaning towards is... Mm -hmm. Is is Molf. I I'm a big Molf fan. Um, it's it was a close second behind Ripper coming back to the roster, but I feel as though I have to kind of like take a few points off or give him the owl handicap for having some of that playtime. Um, I would go over with Molf. I think that I rarely see Molf put in a bad performance, regardless of meta. I think he's thrived quite well. Obviously, he's had the Diva in his back pocket for the longest time. I think that his Sigma was great when that was predominant. I think if you need to flex him onto anything else, he's going to be a great answer for you. Um, because I, I look at the other members of Hurricane, and you have to judge them with a higher caliber because of the results they pulled in as a team. Mm. And Every other member, apart from Ripper and Molf, I can look at and go, what are you doing, man? You had a bad game there. You, you, you literally got carried because you're on Hurricane in that particular instance. It doesn't happen a lot, but it still happens. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, my, my regular season MVP at present, barring some amazing pop-off this month or you know whatever postseason Blizzard decides to throw at us, if they do at all, um, I'd probably be looking at giving it to Molf. Okay. Mm. Just got thoughts? Does that surprise you? I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, it's surprising to me. I mean, okay. okay, it's surprising to me. Get, okay, how do I phrase this? Um, it's not surprising necessarily that that there's something else being said about the possible MVPs on that roster. 
And I also sure. now understand why you prefaced it as like, who's going to owl? Uh, that being like an exclusion or not necessarily correlated. No. Because there's one name on Hurricane that I hear way more brought up in terms of like, this this kid is 100% going to be in owl. Which then I extrapolated to, uh, extrapolated to MVP. To yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. guy must be MVP, having mm -hmm. watched barely no uh, European contenders this year. And that's Hardy. Yes, Hardy is incredibly good. Uh, he is the uh, an incredibly good uh, player. He has almost the level of consistency that I think Molf has. This guy is also a solo queue comp warrior racking up un obscene hours in just raw personal practice right. outside of the team mm -hmm. environment. Um, in terms of an owl acquisition, You've got yourself a talented player who's a workhorse, right? Now, find him uh, find him a team that's in need of a really solid uh, main tank that can gel with the roster. You're on to a winner, right? Hattie is definitely a conversation for a potential owl acquisition. The reason I didn't give him to the reason I didn't give him the MVP in this instance was mm. because it's like I said, very rarely does it happen. You right. see some papige levels of play if you're judging the performance of hadi on another team where the bar isn't set so high right maybe he edges it out i think that just like molf and ripper have been a little bit more consistent for me and that was kind of like the key performance indicator on a team this good right interesting but i completely agree it... he is, he's absolutely uh, absolutely a, a owl candidate for next year though mm. right is there a pattern to his papageness where it's, it's like, okay, it's always on Ryan or something like this. I'm trying to think back to it. It's like, it's, I'm trying to think of a specific, this is the hard part, thinking of the specific example yeah, right. of where it's going from. I might not be able to do it for you. I don't necessarily right. think there's a pattern to it. I can just remember walking away from a couple of maps going, man, if Hattie just did this, like they wouldn't have lost that. Mm, well, if right. Hattie did this, they wouldn't have like been taken to point B. Because right. hurricane loss is very rare, but a hurricane sure. loss comes off of mistakes, not the other team winning. Mm. Right. And it hasn't happened in a hot minute, so... Yeah, it hasn't happened recently. <laughs> so you can argue on recent... Re you can use the recency bias and go, yep. Yeah. Yep, Hattie. What's, um, what's the... What's this? Uh, 32? Oh, what was the streak? Oh, uh, fuck. Uh, sorry. Wow. Um, when it was 20, 26 before Albion. it was 26 before this previous september bracket they right. played upper bracket round one rounds so upper bracket round one quarterfinal semi-final grand final so 30 30 consecutive matches okay zeister says that 31 is, in chat do you okay, want to argue 31, then. He can there. take the 31. I don't care, right? It, it's, <laughs> after, after it hits 30, who cares? Like, yeah, yeah, three. Got, the, 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 stat, the stat I go back to is like they haven't lost a path to pro game since uh, 18th of August 2019. <laughs> like, okay. That's, they've they've that lost. It feels like six lost, years ago, by the way. Yeah, I'm just saying, they they just like lost, by COVID times, I just. Mm. They have lost a match outside of path to pro. I believe it was in EBC qualifiers to sheer cold. And it, and famously, 
Lusa on that team, after winning the match, tweeted out Baptif. <laughs> and they got the they got absolutely stomped in the rematch because it was double Elim qualifiers. And mm. ever since Lusa does anything, if he goes near BAP, people will spam Baptif, Bap drop Baptif. It's he has basically made that into a catchphrase just by doing it once in a cocky moment of victory. Right, and and thinking you've cracked beating Hurricane once is an achievement. Hmm. Beating him again, okay, right. you've made you made model, maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe going to need a little bit more gas in the tank for that one. Yeah, it is it is surprising that they you, there's so much love going around Hottie because this feels like the umpteenth Hurricane main tank that's like, hey, stamp of approval, stamp of approval, numlock hmm? fusions. Now we're going to Hottie. It's like. As much as we can kind of caveat and, you know, like you said earlier, like Devils is our, you know, advocate for this team and saying, like, well, is it the strongest region? Well, you know, they have the money. They constantly are getting and finding these players that granted, I'm sure had careers before landing on Hurricane, but they're they're picking the right people. And, and I think that's that's very important. I think that's, yes. that's something that we have to kind of attribute to the coaching staff built, presumably by, you know, the GM. Um, to, to kind of wrap things up as, as big of a question as this is going to be, um, I would kind of appreciate, and I think the people would love this, a, a first team EU contenders. So three DPS, three tanks split, however you'd like, and three supports split, however you'd like drops and names doesn't have to necessarily, like you said, be, you know, owl ready or of age, but players to keep your eyes on and write a novel. Right, no, okay. Uh, that'll, that'll have to come afterwards. You'll have to pay me for that as well. In Yambic um, Pentameter, please. What? <laughs> that's, uh, we just ignore that's those types of comments. people with an education outside of the Yeah, we ignore those I'm working, I'm working class, barely educated. I don't know how I get out of bed in the morning. Um, sorry, I, I, would be the, I, would, I would be, I would be the peasant knocking on your door, begging for gruel around Christmas. Um, it's seventh grade. Oh, great board, Yisko. Um, yeah. the, the all EU team, um, <laughs> a caveat that comes with it, because we love a caveat here. I have purposely tried to look outside the box of okay. Hurricane because sure. the easy answer is to just go and say Hurricane. Hurricane plus friends, right? So there there might be a little bit of, of people might say snubs. Um, so I think for, for DPS, we are looking towards Danid. So there's your first Hurricane. Okay. And this is a controversial one because he's a one trick. Yesen. I think if you just you've got three DPS slots, bring on a specialist, right? Okay. Appreciate and then Yikwids. I think Yikwids, despite everything, has had a pretty good year. I, mm, think one that I have heard that name tossed around a little bit. I've heard Yikwids. some very good things. And I think on the current iteration of Yab, with a little bit of prep time. Hmm. Could see him come into a greater performance. Tank. Let's get talking about tanks. Mm. Regardless of your comment, Yiska, there was already love for Hardy. He's in here. He would be my main tank pickup for this one. All right. Obviously, he's my MVP. He's going to be here as well. Molf's in there. Mm. Another one from the Yab roster, Vestola. I think Vestola has been really good. Um, he was on the Yab roster for the longest time. He's not on anymore, sorry. But Vestola's been 
pretty fantastic. And I think that if you didn't have Haffy Call as an option for Yab, Vestola would still be there. Because, well, it's Haffy, right? Um, support. Ripper. Okay. That's fine. Hampe from Avoided as well. I think Hampe's Ana has been absolutely fantastic. And I think when we've seen him flex off onto other things, he's been great. And then Khan, who was previously, uh, previously I'll be the best, who was previously something else. And I can't remember what that name is because it's been so long ago. But that would be my all EU roster if you took nine players across all of the roles. Well done. But yeah. Joe, say what you're really thinking, though. You're just yeah, nodding and smiling. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm getting exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking at, you know, I haven't paid nearly enough attention to contenders across the board, let alone Europe. So this gives me a good, you know, focal point to say, okay, these are the players that we could see. These are the players of the future. These are the next, either the next generations or people that probably will see a call up either on the London Spitfire of 2021 or possibly, you know, Valiant's looking for people. Who knows what Dallas is up to? Who knows what Houston's going to be up to? There's there's a number of teams that have just jettisoned their roster, and it's like, okay, we all know Europe's, you know, got some gold. These sound like the players that might be... For this uh, off-season, off we are officially declassifying the nature reserve of EU. It is open season. Grab your rifles, boys. It's time to go hunting. Grab the your EU rifles. grounds are open. It's so <laughs> so good. no one is going to stop you. No one's going to do anything. I know how you Americans love to go and hunt random shit and don't care about nature, but sure. right out here for you. Grab your rifles, grab your safari hat, bag yourself an EU player because because Lord knows you need them. <laughs> True. Oh, man. True. Oh, man. What a way is, to end it. Hey, what a way to end it. This is a fun show. Uh, Trid, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. A ton of fun. No dude. problem. I, like, I, I, like, I know, every guest that comes on, I'm like, oh, man, we have to do this again sometime. Oh, thank you for being on. The I'm like, I genuinely mean it when I say this is one of the funniest, most fun shows I've had in a long time. Um, right. So uh, thank you so much for being on. Before we do uh, get out of here, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to give any shout outs, tell people where they can find you, um, anything else coming up in your schedule, all those types of things. Cool. Uh, I guess the main place to go to is www.twitter.com forward slash underscore trid. That's the main place you'll see me post about stuff you mainly right now see a bunch of cooking stuff food stuff you could probably see a few things about contenders on the horizon you'll probably see some stuff about brawl stars which is the other esport i cover and maybe a few things about my work i work for a creative agency called hot drop who are doing really cool things in the uk so that's all my shout outs and that's all my plugs and i'll make my boss happy <laughs> there you go awesome um joe what about you man shout out to leak where can people find you um on all the socials you'll find me you know if you want to if not that's cool too um have an interview coming out obviously with uh with the news with london spoke to nuki gonna have some comments with you know first principles you know a little bit more nitty-gritty um got some extra stuff coming out an interview hopefully with uh with valorant coming in later in the week and yeah just kind of touching on some of the storylines and some of the, the more pressing matters with the off season. So fun stuff. Stay tuned if you want. And Yiska, before you fall asleep in your chair, uh, what about you? Shout out to the week. Where can people find you? 
I'm on vacation, baby. And Does I'm that mean they were playing Among Us Norton. after this, or does that mean you're going to bed? Uh, um, nah. My I, my curfew has been extended by my legal guardian, which is myself. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean yes. we're playing games? We're we're playing games, All and right. um, otherwise, there's no content really coming out. Other than I promised it a, a little bit ago. I think I'll I might just walk around woods tomorrow talking about esports <laughs> while an old lady comes yeah. along with her old like you know like yeah. dachshund and just looks at me awkwardly while I'm talking in English <laughs> and then maybe she can pick up a couple of English words but then I'm s saying stuff like you know like I don't know like bodying someone in a neutral and then it's over mm. and there's no cognition there anymore and it's just like i gotta get out of here and call the police isn't and berlin i'm going to upload uh, on youtube isn't berlin kind of like the weird you know the weird side of germany am i misremembering that like how how the, the question berlin's kind a of, city it's not a side right Let's sure start there. i mean you, <sighs> yes all right joe disconnected i disconnected we all disconnected <laughs> Did that really happen? Is that that the type of timing that just happened? You guys can still hear me and see me, right? <laughs> yeah, alright. I have no idea what just happened. The Discord just uh, froze, but we're still live. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I feel alright with that. Uh, chat, thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you had a great one. Uh, man, what a fun, these off season shows are a ton of fun. Uh, we work really hard on, uh, bringing you an awesome show and, um, we're going to see if we can rejoin here. It doesn't look like it. Uh, if you like the show and want to support, go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. If you, uh, aren't able um, or don't want to, whatever, and um, you're like, what are my free options? Just hanging out and chilling with us is great. But um, if you really want to support the show, if you go to Patreon or not Patreon, if you go to iTunes, leave a five-star iTunes review. Um, we really appreciate it as well. Hey, welcome back. There it is. You're back. What happened? I was here the We're whole back. time. I was Wait, signing all three off the of us show. Are fine? All three of us were in this call and you weren't. So. I, think, I think because I'm hosting it, uh, we're fine. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I just, it's somebody else's fault. And <laughs> Discord. I'm going to say Discord. It was great because Joe is getting kind of sassy with me anyway. I'm glad that the universe shut that one down immediately. It's true. Gotta, um, gotta put a put was, collar on me. As I was saying, if you like the show and you don't want to support via Patreon, uh, go to iTunes and leave a five-star iTunes review. It's totally free. Helps us kind of rise up in the rankings or leave a free Twitch Prime sub right here at uh, twitch.tv slash kicktripod. Big thank you to Chris R34444. For gifting a sub to Mitch, Stylosa, Bad Pachamari, and Blings. Uh, and big thanks to Porkchop, Sammy, and Lollerbear. Lollerbear, sorry. <laughs> that one was so hard to read. Uh, for the resubs. And a big thank you to our patron producers. Refined Bean, Ferdino Pin, Battle Crab, Kuchikopi, Lotion, Rex Zane, Audio Compass, Kasha67, Shara Picasso, Nathan, Your Misery, Hunter Tain, Fabled Steven, Roger B., 
Owen, Chris, our three four 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 four, Horbjorn, and I listen to this podcast whilst on the toilet and in the shower, thinking of Yiska and Peace Camper. We love you guys so much. This was a ton of fun. If you are still hanging out and you're like, I want to hang out and play games with you guys after, because apparently Yiska doesn't have a bedtime anymore. Uh, join us in Discord, discord.me slash Yiska, Y-I-S-K-A-O-U-T. Uh, we're going to play some games, have a ton of fun. Uh, thank you again, chat. Shred, it's been an absolute pleasure, dude. Thanks again. Uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday, I think, uh, probably for a show. Uh, love you all. Goodbye.